Hello, welcome back to Christmas Fest. Uh, I am Jenny, and I'm here with uh, Red Lanyard. Uh, Al, how you doing, Al? Hello, I am Al, and I'm here with Jenny, and I'm doing pretty. <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Um, let's see. Uh, so today we are going to be discussing Browed Hearts. Um, Al, tell me, tell me about this movie. What what happens in this movie? Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> um, so Barred Hearts is a movie about um, the evils of capitalism and how they go completely unpunished throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> it's about it's about this um, it's about this hardworking blue collar class mom who um whose absolute trash of a husband left um, and walked out on her and her daughter and she's working really hard trying to buy a house in the utopia that was the 1990s a down payment on a house is only ten thousand dollars um <laughs> insanity that was one of the things that hit me on the nostalgia train um <laughs> Because as someone who, who who is starting to look at buying houses, who oh boy, that'd be nice. Um, right. <laughs> but, um, um, and it's about this hardworking, blue-collar, um, wonderful single mom um, whose boss at her company um, is one of the most genuine yet just awful characters i've ever seen and um i i hated this guy i hated this guy the entire movie um and he he has the idea because his business partner um decided to tell a incoming um businessman from mexico um who's trying to buy their company um that um the CEO has a family. He's a good old fashioned old school family man with a family. Um, to which we learn early on that this is not the this is not the truth in an oddly sexually charged opening scene of a Christmas movie. Um <laughs> the the raw sexuality was the highest in borrowed hearts um, <laughs> so far that we've seen. Um and he's just like, well, I know what I'll do. Um, I, I will pimp out one of my workers and her daughter to come pretend to be my family and hold over their head the possibility of a more stable life so that they will pretend to be my family so I can sell this company and lose just all of their jobs. Um, because they don't have a labor union. God knows he wouldn't have allowed that. Um, <laughs> and it's a journey about how he slowly falls in love um, with this woman, and unfathomably she falls in love with him. Um, <laughs> and they and they <laughs> and they learn <laughs> they learn a little bit about the spirit of Christmas along the way. Was that an okay synopsis? <laughs> that was beautiful. I loved it. Uh <laughs> That's great. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, Thank you. You know, one of my favorite parts of this movie, though, that you didn't mention is that the little girl just kind of walks into the house and then they're like, oh, this is the family that we're going to rent. And so, like, all since we watched this 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 season, we have me and my brother have been trying to get our youngest brother Jacob to just randomly walk into a house and do this and hopefully also <laughs> be able to be pimped out to a rich family. <laughs> right. I think I think there's a little bit I think there's a little bit of a difference between um a very cute little girl just walking into a house and saying, This just looks just like my dollhouse and a and a six foot two um, grown man wandering into a house and saying, buy me and my family. <laughs> just a, a little bit of a difference there. But I appreciate the Christmas imagine? spirit. You know, like, can you imagine? I, I don't know. I just I like can. the idea. I can imagine that perfectly. <laughs> 
One day, Al, when you're a homeowner and Jacob Bradley walks into your house, (laughs) I hope that you take him in. (laughs) I mean, I can't imagine what else I would do. (laughs) I don't think I would have a choice. (laughs) No, um, Jimmy, I'm glad glad you brought up um, Zoe. I'm glad you brought up the little girl character in this. Because um, Zoe is my favorite character in this movie. Um, She really is. I I love Zoe. But probably not for the reasons that most people who watch Borrowed Hearts love Zoe. Um, (laughs) Because she is very sweet. She's a very cute little girl. Um, She's a very good actress as far as as child actors go. Um, She's very... Um, she uses a lot of expressions. She's, she's great. Um, as I was watching this, um, because you had said, you, Jenny had said at the beginning of this whole shindig that for you to qualify as a Christmas movie to fit that category, a movie has to have some element of the supernatural. some some kind of spiritual supernatural element, um, um, which is enacted in Borrowed Hearts, from my interpretation, by Zoe um, tapping in to the occult. And <laughs> because she gets a, <laughs> she gets a speech early on that if you're a good girl, if you do the right stuff, an angel will come and bring your father back to you. Which, boy, we could unpack that advice for a while if we wanted to but um but instead let's focus on her really taking that to heart and my headcanon for zoe is that when she's not on screen zoe is off in like a room with like a bunch of candles and like (laughs) she's reading out of like the works by alistair crowley and like there's just like blood pentagrams on the ceiling and, and she's just like, Come to me, Anakian Angel. And this occult power flows through her and summons and summons this this wonderful actor by the name of Javier Del Campo, played by Hector Elizondo, who's also wonderful. Um and she she is the true spirit of Christmas because she missed her shitty father so much. That she summoned an angel to Earth to get a new one. <laughs> I, I love that. Love, I love that. That's really great. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, <laughs> she's very powerful, you know. Um, the most uh, powerful. The most powerful. <laughs> most powerful character in a Christmas movie that I've seen. Like, possibly, possibly the hobo from Polar Express, if you want to <laughs> include him. But like. In a 1v1 match, I think Zoe would absolutely just crush the Christmas hobo. <laughs> just like, she wouldn't even do anything. It'd be like a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure fight. she just summon her angel to just come and just spear him through the gut. And it'd be incredible. <laughs> that adds so much to this movie. Um, I also love that our listeners are getting, like, just the weirdest, like, <laughs> like a few moments of this movie, like, I don't know. Um, what? So, like, what were your, like, the movie ended, what were your first thoughts? Like, just, um, like... Yeah. Um, so, um, I mean, I didn't really have a ton of thoughts, just kind of about the plot. I, I felt like the plot just kind of followed the typical story beats that I kind of expected it to. Um, it wasn't bad. It was fine. Um, but I started thinking about the movie as a whole, and everybody and Jenny, I'm sorry. I know I'm all over the place on this one tonight, but um, this this movie took me for a ride um, <laughs> no, because fair. because um, you know when we talk about movies um, here on Fandom Talk, but also just like as a culture in general, I feel like we don't talk about the editing process very much. Um, and the editing process is one of those things where, like, if if a film is edited well, then people probably won't realize it um, because it'll just flow very well and feel very organic and natural, and it'll be great. But when a movie isn't edited well, editing becomes the most, like, 
jarring thing in the film experience. And the first half of Borrowed Hearts is edited by a crazy person. Because I'll never forget, just when the movie starts, you have these weird whiplash-inducing scenes of a very wholesome family Thanksgiving with uh, <laughs> with the main character played by Roma Downey. Um, and they're just like having a turkey and it's a little kind of apartment and they're all squished together at a table and they're saying their prayers and it's really nice and it's really sweet. And you're just like, Oh, okay. I'm, I'm down for this. Then you get whipped to a mansion in which two people are having just the horniest supper uh, (laughs) that, that anybody has laid their eyes on. Um, and, and Sam field, which to be honest, I didn't know his first name until I looked it up on IMDb, that character's name, (laughs) Um, Sam field played by the wonderful Eric McCormick, um, who gives his all to this movie, um, is just like, is just in it to to lay some pipe that thanksgiving night that's all that's all i can say and it's so uncomfortable and you're just like oh this is weird but then it flashes back to the wholesome family thanksgiving and you're just like oh i prefer this this is nice this is nice and then it flashes back and oh eric mccormick who most people know as a gay per as a gay man for will and grace is just like sucking on this actress's finger and <laughs> And you're just like, what the what the hell is happening? This is a Christmas movie. Then it then it slaps you in the face. And now Roma Downey's character is at work and she's talking to her friend Carly. And there's this weird transition where Roma Downey delivers her line and it's nice. And it flashes to her coworker Carly. And Carly's just standing there within just a Harley Quinn-esque smile plastered on her face for like two seconds and no lines are exchanged. Then it goes back to Roma Downey's character as she starts the scene off again. <laughs> and it felt like a fever dream that I was having for the first like 20 minutes of the movie. It was crazy. Um, I just kept, I'll be honest, by the end of the movie, I just kept replaying the first like 20 minute sequence of the movie in my head. And just being like, they must have switched editors like midway through the movie, but not have redone any of the first editor's work. <laughs> they were just like, okay, let's just let's just keep it going. We're not going to do any of the weird sexually pro- provocative stuff anymore, but we're going to leave that in. <laughs> it's too it's too late. We filmed this in six days. We got to go. <laughs> It was crazy. This is one of the craziest movies I've ever seen, Jimmy. <laughs> it's wild. I love it's. This is great. I I love getting a different perspective on these movies because, like, I would like I've watched it so many times over the years that that stuff's just like, oh, that's like normal, like to me. But like, you know, somebody who's never seen it before, I get it. Like, yeah, that's kind of weird. I think the first scene. I can explain that, I think. I think what they were trying to do... I'm ready. ...is they were trying to... So the contrast and how, like, different um, these characters are. Like, they're so, like, just complete polar opposites. And I think that's the whole purpose of the first segment. Um, As far as, like, being whiplashed back into, like, the works... Yeah, that's kind of a weird transition. But, like, the Thanksgiving dinners, I feel like that's kind of important to the story, you know. Um, sure, sure. Although, no. I, I, I think you could probably gather how different they are, you know, just because, you know, he's a, you know, billionaire capitalist dude and she's, like, not. But I think that's why they did it. Um, yeah, no, no, I, tot- I totally get that. I totally agree with that part. But it sets a really important <laughs> tone for Eric McCormick's character, where he is just randomly sexually aggressive (laughs) throughout the movie. And it's so strange. And I just don't, I I don't understand it. And it just, like, it just, every time I thought I was safe, 
Like every time, <laughs> every time I thought I was just kind of enjoying like the ebb and flow of a of a chill kind of TV Christmas movie, um, Eric McCormick would appear again, and he'd just be like, "I know when you lie in bed at night, you think of me and my body." And I'm just like, "What the hell is happening in this movie?" <laughs> You know, it's a very important opening sequence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, that's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Tell me you don't toss and turn. That's what he says. Tell me you don't toss and turn. Thinking about it, like this is y'all. This is his employee. (laughs) He's saying this at work in front of people. Like they act like they go like a an entire building away to have this conversation. They're ten feet away from everyone who works there when he says this to her. I forgot. Yeah. No. Okay. You're right. That's a little weird. Uh, I mean, he. You know, he's supposed to be this, you know, playboy. Uh, but yeah. Um, I don't know what else to say on that. <laughs> Crazy. It is also weird if you you have only known him as Will from Will and Grace, just because I don't feel like his character on that show is anything like that. So, uh, you know, he, <laughs> you know, you can really see what a great actor he is. He really, oh, the dude's got range. Like he really does. <laughs> uh, what? Would, who was your favorite side character? Ooh, yeah. Um. I'm I'm definitely going to go with okay, glad you asked me this cuz this gives me another reason to rag on on Eric McCormick's character. Um my favorite side character by far um is um I'm Hector Elizondo's character. Um I'm the businessman who kind of who kind of is the is the fuel for the plot of this film. Uh because um he comes in he's I I love this actor. He's great in everything I've seen him in. Um, he comes in and he's introduced as a paradox, right? Because um, you hear about him when um, Sam and um, and Dave, his partner, um, his horrible partner, um, <laughs> when yeah. Sam and Dave. That character's uh, awful. Yes. Oh my God. Um, when Sam and Dave are talking about the upcoming deal. Um, and it's made very clear, like the first introduction you get to Eric McCormick's character is that he's a sex addict. The second introduction you get is that he's going to lay off a warehouse full of employees. Mm-hmm. Um, the first introduction you get to Dave is that he's encouraging the massive layoffs of, of a warehouse full of employees. And he lied to their incoming business partner and said that Sam has a family. All the while, he's painting the portrait of of poor Javier Del Campo as, you know, this guy's really old school. He's like a family man. He's He's all about the family. He's all about, you know, finding the beauty in each other. Like, you really got to impress him. Um, bringing him in as someone who's totally okay with laying off a warehouse full of people <laughs> when this merger goes through. <laughs> like, so he's right. introduced as a paradox. Like he's right. introduced as a person you should not like. That's fair, right? Um, but he's really charming, and um, he plays off everybody. He's apparently an angel, um, and oh. like. He makes things happen, and he's always like very sweet to Zoe and very sweet to Kathleen and stuff, and it's great. The other reason why I love this character is that he puts up with just constant racial insensitivity throughout <laughs> the entire movie. <laughs> like every like every word out of Dave's mouth is either, "Hey, it's cool if these people don't have jobs anymore." And or, hey, I caramba Spanish words. Am I right? <laughs> and it's just like, oh my god! <laughs> like if if Mr. Del Campo, like 
if if he was like a real business person, he would have like left like as soon as he just heard you open your mouth. Um, and so yeah. he has like the patience and the grace of of an angel. Yeah. Obviously, it works <laughs> out um, because he's able to just put up with that for like a week. It's incredible. Um, so I, lo- I love his character in this. Um, I love him in everything he's in. Honestly, he's great. Um, I know him primarily as the bodyguard from on the princess diaries. Uh, yeah. but he's been in um, a ton of great stuff. I love, love Hector Elizondo. So yeah. that was a pretty easy choice for me. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, he's probably definitely my favorite too. Um, I definitely, Dave cracks me up like because he's just so awful. Um, you know, one of the first moments we see Dave, um, he's like, you know, agreeing because if you remember the girl that Eric McCormick's like super horny with in the first part of the movie, she leaves Mm -hmm. angrily the next morning and we later find out it's because she had kids and he wasn't feeling that. And Dave's just like, uh, like that's the worst. And then you later see them talking and he says this line that actually my Josh pointed out when we were watching it, where he's like, women are like peaches. Like they look like great on the outside, but on the inside, they're all dark and dirty. And I think that line is hilarious because that's not how I view peaches at all. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you remember that line. No, no, I do remember. There's a, (laughs) there's a couple of lines that are just kind of throwaway lines. That I have, I had a lot of questions about. That's one, because the yeah. way he says that line is one of the grossest things I've ever heard. Yeah. Because he's just like, oh, on the outside, women are like peaches. They're like plump and like pink and and soft. And just like, and then and then on the inside, they're they're all dry and bitter and brown and dirty. So and you're just like, oh, Dave. Do you kill people in your spare time? Because <laughs> like, you are you are cartoonishly evil. <laughs> you, you are just the worst character I've ever seen. And like, like in fiction in general. <laughs> like, I think that's why I didn't realize how because like Eric McCormick actually sometimes comes off as the good guy because of Dave, because Dave will say oh, yeah. stuff that's just ridiculous that Eric McCormick's even like, dude, what the fuck? Like, what are you, <laughs> what are you <laughs> why, talking about? Why did you say that, Dave? <laughs> I would have, this would have been my favorite movie in the world. If during that, um, if during that squash ball, um, <laughs> game, um, when Dave says the peaches line, if Eric McCormick scared her, just looked at him and was just like, "What the hell did you just say?" <laughs> that would have been that would have been incredible. That would have been the best movie I've ever seen. Um, the other line, I'm so glad you brought this up because I forgot about this in the in the insane, insane, like just nonsense of the movie. I forgot about this. Um. Um, in that first scene in the warehouse, um, when Kathleen is talking to Carly and, um, Sam and Dave walk into the warehouse and Carly is just like, oh yeah, he goes through women like a manicure. And I was just like, what does, what does that mean? Like a manicurist. Oh, like like a manicurist, not like the object, not like the service. Yes. Oh, yeah. That makes way more sense because yeah. I heard her say he goes through women. <laughs> he goes through more women than a manicure. And I'm just like, usually a manicure is only for one woman. <laughs> so I thought Carly was just like hitting the green on her break. And <laughs> she was just kind of saying stuff. Okay. That makes way more sense. Sorry, everybody. I didn't hear no, that. No, <laughs> Well, that her, she's like all drooling over Eric McCormick. That's a funny scene, anyway, because then like, um, she tells uh Catherine that her name's Catherine, right? Yeah, um, that she's dead because she doesn't think that uh, uh, that she doesn't think he's hot or something. And I don't know, it just makes me funny. Yeah. It makes me laugh. It doesn't make me funny. Sorry, that was. A- <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, it's okay. You're naturally funny. That's that scene just just made you laugh. Um, no, I, no, I totally agree. The, like, I don't know. There's 
for a Christmas movie, there's so much thirst throughout the entire movie. <laughs> and it was really off-putting. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it's a very Harlequin romance type uh, Christmas movie, I feel like. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, it's like it came from like one of the romance novels in Books A Million. Uh, oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, yeah. which are full of thirst. Um, <laughs> full thirst. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man, if there's ever a sequel, I hope they call it Borrowed Hearts Full Thirst. <laughs> it's incredible. Um, but yeah, no, Dave is just... Uh, so yeah, he's he's my favorite side character just because he's so awful. It makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see, what did, what was, what did you like about the movie? Like, what was your favorite thing that stood out? Yeah, uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I'm ragging no. on the movie a lot. I was, no, I was really okay. tempted to start. Was really tempted to start talking about Zoe's supernatural powers again, um, <laughs> but, but I won't. Um, I, mean, I support it. Um, I really like. I really enjoyed um, how. It was a really good representation of the kind of social and like the socioeconomic um, divide and disconnect, um, especially at that um, at that time. Um, like I already made a joke about how like you know a down payment on a house in the '90s was only like ten thousand um, dollars, and like. And then we see like later on in the movie, because that's a really big deal um, to Roma Downey's character is she just like, you know, I'll work overtime or like I'll pick up a second job, whatever I have to do to get this house to give us a little bit more stability. And it shows where she's at. And then later on in, in the story, we see Sam talking to, you know, um, the world's greatest dad, um, <laughs> whose character's name I also don't know. Um, what's their dad's name? Jerry. Jerry, thank you. Oh my mm-hmm. goodness. Um, he's talking to Jerry, um, and Jerry like is trying to blackmail him into giving him some money, and Sam immediately is just is just like I love blackmail. Like have have even more than you're asking. <laughs> And it's like, and it's it's twenty thousand is twice as much as what as what Kathleen needs for a down payment on a house. Every time I see that scene, it makes me mad. I'm like, why are you doing that? Why are you giving him more anyway? <laughs> it's it's insane. <laughs> um, and so also that scene uh, that scene's great anyway because Jerry really thinks he has something, and all <laughs> Sam has to do is just say like do you really believe anyone is going to believe you when you say I rented my employee and her daughter to be a fake family? (laughs) (laughs) Because no one would believe that. (laughs) He would have won right there. Um, But, um, but it, it's like the small things like that, that show like where that divide and the disconnect is Um, both for that time. And also as it carries into now, I mean, like, you know, hashtag eat the rich is like always trending yeah. on the internet. Um, and over time, it's just become an even more inflated, um, larger scale situation of what is depicted in Borrowed Hearts. Um, and I don't think that's really the thing I'm supposed to take from the movie. I don't <laughs> right. think it's a movie like about like, socioeconomic inequality um actually i know it's not because that isn't actually addressed by the end of the movie but but um but i was impressed that like you know these kinds of films even the ones you don't immediately think for that kind of thing um are examples of how art is is a lot of times you know it can be experienced you know, afterwards and in retrospect and with some context, but so often art is such a kind of heightening in the bottle kind of thing where like the numbers that are being thrown around and the scale of wealth that's being thrown around 
um, is is such a good representation of what it was at the time of when the movie's made. And it's so interesting to see and kind of follow that into how it reflects um, or how it contrasts with the situations that are occurring today that are being used as fuel for different plots and different screenplays and things like that. So um, I thought that was really interesting how they were able to get that across with just, you know, a couple of throwaway lines and um, and things here and there. Again, I don't think that was the intent of the movie um, because it isn't um, accomplished very well <laughs> by the end of the movie. That's but, definitely, uh, yeah, it probably could have been talked about more, but I do think it's a big focal point just because of, uh, you know, when she finds out that he is going to lay off all of those workers like he throws a fit and that's like when they get into it and then of course it's derailed by him being like tell me don't think about me at night and want me you know but you know <laughs> it is talked about like a little bit and yeah. you know and then of course like the grand you know finale is him ripping up the contract and just being like f it like this isn't happening um but i do think like that's always an underlying like um you know, uh, an underlying theme in a lot of Christmas movies is, you know, rich, bad, help the poor. Like that, you know, even if it's not like, you know, the main story, it's like an underlying thing in most Christmas movies, I feel like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that's awesome. Um, I definitely, yeah, yeah, I like that. I, I, um, mine is not as deep, uh, but uh, I feel like, um, in my my perception, I feel like I really enjoyed Sam's character growth because I do feel like there's a little bit. Um, you know, I love towards the end of the movie the like the bond him and Zoe create um, after he's like horrible. But you know, like I don't know, I just I like that. Um, I really like that. And like you know, you got to talk about you know the scene with the baseball mitt and him talking about like his dad being like you know such a jerk and like Zoe just like you know, just being there for him and like, you know, being like, it's not your fault. The glove didn't fit. And him being like, yeah, like, I don't know. I just, yeah. I like that. That was like my favorite part of the movie. Oh yeah. Oh, that's the scene where s somebody off camera um, had given him the false news that Borrowed Hearts was eligible for an Oscar. <laughs> and so he was just like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour my heart in it. <laughs> it's like, y'all, I hope y'all are ready. Because you are you are about to see art in its rawest form, yeah. But I um, know, yeah. He, gosh, he gave his all to that scene. That was that was crazy impressive. That was great. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I, I just feel like the last like twenty minutes of the movie, he becomes a different character entirely. Where I found him likable, um, but I get it. You know, he is a jerk throughout the most of the movie, um, and you know, and then she gets him a glove for Christmas. And again, like he holds the glove, like it's like a little baby. Like I don't know, it's just yeah. it's, no, no, it's very sweet. Yeah, <laughs> for sure, I agree. No, no, I agree. I think, I think I also have a lot of highest approaching on the film, just because I've always hated um, on the narrative of like rich boss like falls in love with like his blue collar employee or like his assistant or something. I've like always hated that, <laughs> that kind of storyline no, because that's like, fair. it's very weird. Like in real life that like is very rarely like actually an okay situation that's happening. <laughs> like usually, no, that's like, definitely true. It's like a huge imbalance of power and stuff. So like, that's probably a reason why um, I'm not like um, as impressed with like his character arc. Because, like, that string of it is, like, kind of ringing through the entirety of it. Um, so um, that probably explains why I, um, I don't find his character arc as interesting. But um, also, I just, no, I also, I just I, hate I, rich people. That's, do what? <laughs> also, I just hate rich people. That's also just... Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah, <laughs> no. Uh, like, see, I, I don't know. I just like to think that, like, he changed more because of Zoe than he did Kathleen. Kathleen was just kind of a bonus. I just feel yeah. like I feel like if Zoe hadn't been there, he would have just been like still trying to like you know hit it with Kathleen. Oh, but like sure. I feel like Zoe like actually changed or helped him grow as a character. That's right. my perception yeah. of it. Yeah. But and, um, um, yeah, no, I get that. I get mm -hmm. that. Yeah, 
Kathleen Kathleen was a bonus to him, just yes. like the Christmas bonus that he did not give any of his employees. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And then Zoe's dad is just like, I, I, he, okay, so, you know, we watched the Christmas list. Who's worse, okay? Zoe's dad or George? Ooh. I know. Boy. Or Dave. I, I think we could put him in there. You could, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, man. Cool. It's rough. Yeah, Jerry's <laughs> Jerry's just a real piece of work. Yeah. Yeah. Also, like I I kind of hold an extra bit of hostility towards Jerry in this one just because of the fact that he could not be in the movie at all and things will play out exactly the same way. <laughs> like his, his character doesn't add anything to the narrative whatsoever. <laughs> like I thought Honestly, when Jerry shows up again, I was surprised. I was just like, wait, what is this actually going to do? Because I thought it was going to follow the formula of, you know, it's like a rocky beginning with their relationship. They slowly grow to like be, um, to understand each other and grow more in love with each other. Then by the end, he's just like, you know what? I like have a heart. I'm not going to, not going to close the warehouse. Everybody's going to get their, um, Everyone's going to get to keep their job, and I'm in love with you, and they become a family. I was not expecting the deadbeat dad to show up again. Yeah. Um, and then he does, and I was just like, oh, okay, this is really interesting. How is this going to change anything? And then it doesn't. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't at all. Well, <laughs> like, he oh. has to confess to uh, the angel that it's not his real family. I think that's the only th- difference. Right. <laughs> But, like, I could kind of see, like, if Sam is going to have the turnaround at the end um, anyway, right? Because with the kind of a film it is, like, that's the only way it could go. Like, he's yeah. <laughs> like he's going to have the turnaround. Like, <laughs> right. If he's going to have the turn, excuse me, if he's going to have the turnaround anyway, bleh, um, then I, I would expect him to also be honest about that part. Right. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, Just be that's like, true. And, and you know what, <laughs> Mr. Del Campo, because like you don't have to call a Latino person senior when you're not in their country. Like it's <laughs> actually kind of odd to do so. But, <laughs> but <laughs> you just be like, and you know what, Mr. Del Campo, I also have to be honest with you. Like these aren't my real fair. Like that could have easily happened. And like the, the biological dad being in the movie was just like, wow, he's even worse than I thought he was. And also <laughs> all he did was add like seven minutes onto the runtime. Like that's all, that's all he does. And then by the end of it, he leaves and you're just kind of like, Oh, okay. I guess he's gone. And then his parting advice to his daughter is just, Hey, I'm going to continue to not be in your life. So you might as well you might as well get closer to this guy who's who's here more. And it's just like, what the hell is wrong with you? Like, like for all for all the lack of character development that I think Sam has, um, he has infinitely more than Jerry does. Because <laughs> <Yes. laughs> Jerry is the exact same person that he was at the beginning of the movie. Maybe even worse. I don't know. He's probably worse. And like the fake tears, like he like has to like, you know, brush away. Like that gets me every time. Like I'm like, you're not crying, you asshole. Like just don't even. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. And the um the end of the blackmail scene like killed me, because (laughs) um he's walking away, and Sam is just like, how come you didn't say goodbye to Zoe? And Jerry is just like, because I couldn't. And then he walks away. And it's set up to be like this really dramatic, like deep, like revelatory scene. And I'm just like, well, what? what? Yeah, dude, you're a piece of shit. Like, I, d- I get it. <laughs> like, I don't know what that was supposed to do for your character. Like, okay, you're also a coward as opposed to being a terrible father. Like, <laughs> what do you want from me? Yeah. 
I don't know. Jerry might be worse than George. Just by a hair. Jerry, yeah. Jerry is probably... Yeah, he's probably the worst of the characters we've seen this year. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so would you watch it again? Hmm. That is the question. Um, let's see. How have I answered these so far? So, so the very first one we did, the 12 Dates of Christmas, um, that one I said I would not watch again, right? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. And the Christmas list I said I would. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the preacher's wife, I said I would. Yes. Okay. That's what I thought. I wanted to, like, review the record for everybody and also for myself. Um, <laughs> um, pro- I mean, probably not. And it's not because I think it's, like, a bad film by any means. I think it it does what it sets out to do. I think it mm-hmm. does it in kind of unorthodox ways. But um, I think it, it it does what it sets out to do. And, like... At no point did I dislike Hard Hearts, but by the end of it, I did kind of have the feeling of like, okay, I think I think I got out of this everything I'm gonna get out of it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't think I'll like grasp anything new if like I watch this again in a couple years. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of so yeah, I'm gonna say no. And again, with a qualifier of not because I think it's like a, a a bad Christmas movie or anything, just from from more of like a neutrality standpoint of just like, yeah, if like it's on TV, I won't like head up and turn it off, but I probably won't seek out an opportunity to watch it again. Okay, I feel that. I feel that. Um, how do you think it compares to the other films that we've watched? Um, yeah, so... Um, I would put it, um, a couple steps, uh, below the Christmas list. Okay. Um, you know, if I were to go down and rank them, I'd say the preacher's wife is at the top, um, because it's just a really, really good film. Um, then the Christmas list I really enjoyed. It was just really wholesome. Um, it did a lot of good stuff. Um, and then like a couple steps down from that, I'd say, uh, borrowed hearts is um and again a lot of that has to do with like the bias i have towards um like the main character and things like that um and then at the bottom at the bottom is 12 dates of christmas um (laughs) and again not because i didn't enjoy the experience of 12 dates of christmas (laughs) but objectively that is a really bad movie (laughs) yeah no that's fair yeah um, yeah yeah that's kind of how i would how i'd rank them out yeah how about you? How would you so compare to like um the preacher's wife and Christmas list? Because I don't think we need to like entertain the idea of two days of Christmas. Um, <laughs> how would you how would you rank um on borrowed hearts? Where does it fall for you? Dude? Sure, yeah. Um so preacher's wife is number one for me. Uh then I would probably put borrowed hearts uh a little bit above Christmas list for me. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I know, I know, I love I it. I, I, I think it- I think it's the mitt. I think it's the uh, baseball mitt that really does it for me. I got you. Okay. I was about to ask, is there anything in particular that like that pushes it over the edge on a Christmas list or, but no, no, that's a great scene. That's yeah. a great, yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I think, I think it's a, it's, it's a wrong premise, but it's also like a cute premise. It's like, Oh, you know, this little girl like randomly walks into a house and now like the mom's going to have a down payment on the house. And I don't know. I don't know, I, I, but it's just like a little bit above Christmas list because I do love Christmas list. But oh yeah, that's right. I love. <laughs> I'm glad you slipped in the thing about the house because I can't let this go. When <laughs> when <laughs> Javier Del Campo, um, the goat, <laughs> says, "Oh, actually, I'm gonna be staying in town a little bit longer," and Sam is just like, "Oh." Kathy, I need you to, I need you to stick it out a few more days. Kathy's just like, fine, pay me ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Sam is just like, what? That's insane. He's just like, dude, <laughs> <laughs> you are so rich. 
what are you talking about? <laughs> like, well, you, yeah, you could probably that's... buy her the house she wants. Like... <laughs> well, and then, like, he, he gives Jerry 20000 yeah, so it's like, gives Jerry more than what Kathy's <laughs> earned so far. <laughs> Unprompted. Jerry starts out, it's probably a little bit south of 20000 is what I'd run you for. And Sam is just like, oh, my good sir. Like... <laughs> Come on, let's be reasonable. Twenty thousand and not a penny less. And <laughs> just like, what? Dude, what are your economics? Like, what? What is happening? Yeah. Ah, that very much frustrated me. I oh my god, there are so many scenes where I I want to just punch Sam in the face, <laughs> like, which is wild because I love Eric McCormick. He's great, but like ah. Geez, I want to just, just just curb stomp him in his weird oh. <laughs> in his weird center part '90s haircut. <laughs> it's the worst. Yeah, no, his haircut's hilarious in this. Uh, yeah, man. Yeah, but you know he's he's you know he's a sexy man apparently. Um, apparently, apparently you are dead if you do not find him attractive. You're dead, um, girl. You don't so, even know it. <laughs> so, so take that, everybody. Um, <laughs> like, look, I know you're trying to buy a house, but man, yeah, hope your giblets are warm for <laughs> for, for Eric McCormick in the 90s. Because <laughs> if not, I've got bad news for you. Man, um, I just got a great t-shirt idea. <laughs> <laughs> hope your giblets are warm for Eric McCormick. <laughs> Man, man yeah. I hope. You know what? I really hope there's a renaissance of Eric McCormick now, in a similar way that Brendan Fraser is having a comeback. Like, I want to see more of Eric McCormick and stuff. I want to see him in all. I want to see him in all the weird indie stuff. Like, come on, Eric. Who who would who would Eric McCormick be in the Marvel universe? Ooh, that's a good question. Ooh. Oh man. Um, huh. Hmm. There, there's, there's, there's a space for him. There is. Um, oh, there's a space for everybody in the MCU. <laughs> um, I, I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Um, I would like to see. You know what? Let's go crazy. I want to see Eric McCormick as Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> he's okay, got the he's right. Have that haircut though. A- absolutely. Do yeah. I said Johnny Blaze? Like, <laughs> let's, let's go I, he's got the range like i yeah. want to like i want to just see eric mccormick just like just <laughs> just just kill a villain with a pen and stare <laughs> and it'd be it'd be amazing oh man that needs to happen now i'm starting a hashtag let's yeah go. absolutely we can get that going i love it absolutely. i think he'd be down too honestly Dude. Hashtag Eric McCormick for Ghost Rider. Let's <laughs> let's do this. Um, so you know all the movies we've watched, and, and you know like rewatching all of these, especially in the sequence that we did, uh, you know it made me wonder like, ha- did you notice that like it seems like a lot of Christmas movies don't portray men in a very good way? <laughs> like all of the men kind of aren't great in it. What? Did you happen to notice that, or was that just a me thing? Um, no, no, I noticed it as well. Um, um, in fact, one of the thoughts I had while watching Borrowed Hearts most recently was, um, wow, all of the men in this, except for Hector Elizondo's character, are just utter trash. Mm-hmm. Like, every, every male character in this is, is horrible. Um, right. Even... Even the random employee in the warehouse with like the lab coat and like he just yeah. gets like he just gets too physically close to Roma Downey's character. Yes. Like every scene he's in, it's really weird. Um uh, doesn't he like eat like an entire cake? I, I know that's really random, but isn't he like holding like an entire cake in that scene? I don't know, prob- it bugs me every probably. Time. It I'm could sorry. be. <laughs> that literally has nothing to do with anything. Uh, but I'm think- just like this. This asshole with his cake. Like, he's... Anyway. <laughs> I think during that scene, I was still reeling from the... <laughs> from the Pennywise-esque grin plastered on Carly's face for a three-second cut. Um, <laughs> but that could just be me. Um, but no, no, I have seen that. Um, and... 
you know what? It's um, it's true, and like I would almost um come back at that with you know, while the depiction of female characters in Christmas films, like you know, aren't as like um objectively like gross and toxic as the men as the men are, like I'm not like. I'm not entirely comfortable with how a lot of the women are portrayed um, in Christmas movies either. Um, because, like, I mean, there is... I know I'm picking on Borrowed Hearts a lot, but there is no world to me in which... in which... Um, in which Roma Downey's character would actually fall for Sam Field. Um... It just isn't. I don't see that happening. Um, and the fact that by the end of it, it was like she was just like swooning. She was just all a quiver. Um, <laughs> like, like even like a couple hours after he dropped the the bomb of you know now I see why her husband left you, which is an atrocious thing to say to a person. Yeah. Um, kind of comparable to. Um, in Twelve Days of Christmas, where she says, "If every if everything was normal, then Mom would still be here." I'm in front of her stepmother. Uh, <laughs> like those are, you know, those two lines are kind of peas in the pod. But um, but like within just a few hours after that, she's just like, "Oh, but Sam, let's make love in front of this fireplace, in front of all our fake daughters' toys." Like, I don't know. I'm I'm with you and also I'm like equally kind of unimpressed at like I guess I'm just kind of unimpressed with like <laughs> the depiction of romance in a lot of Christmas films. That's fair. Um like I like a lot of them too. Um uh, this is gonna branch out a little bit from what we've watched this year. But like one of the few romantic relationships that like I can kind of get behind in a Christmas film is um the Baileys and it's a wonderful life just yeah. because like that relationship has moments where it's super real mm-hmm. um and like it's and like there's grit to it mm-hmm. alongside the romance and like the the fantasy of it as well um to where I'm just like okay like I can see a couple who are like that like yeah. I see a couple who are like that, who like have a have a reasonable chance of like of getting past what they're going through and working it out and growing together. Like um like the and like I think the thing is like so many of these Christmas films um are pretty short. Um like a lot of them are like an hour and a half, if even that. And mm-hmm. so the turnaround kind of has to be quick. Like the stereotypical turnaround kind of has to be like within a few scenes, they go from like hating each other to falling in love with each other. And you can't really show the in-between and you can't really show the more nuanced parts of the relationships. And I think that's why we get depictions of men who are so toxic and so awful. And we get depictions of women who are so easily wooed and so hopelessly romantic by the end of it. Uh, because we just don't have the time to see a relationship, like be a real relationship and stuff. Um, and so I think that probably has something to do with it. But yeah, but yeah it's it's weird. It's it's interesting depictions of human beings, for sure. Yeah. But you're becoming like a Christmas movie expert, Al. I'm, re- I'm really not. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I think, I don't know. I think, like, I'm still not... I'm going to go ahead and say I'm still not a really big fan of Christmas movies. <laughs> even though even though I've liked a majority of the ones we've talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... I don't know. I think it's it's kind of like all that is kind of a part of it. Because, like, um, I don't... Like, I'm at a point in my life now where, like, I'm I'm past my edgy phase. And, like, I'm... And like I, if I'm seeking out entertainment, I like I want to see good things happen to good people, and I want to see bad things happen to bad people. And yeah. by the end of so many Christmas films, I'm pretty unconvinced that the protagonists are good people. 
Um, so, so I kind of hate to see their their happy ever after ending at the end of it. Like um, with Sam, like by the end of uh, by the end of Barred Hearts, I'm just kind of like, man, screw you, Sam. You don't deserve her. Like you don't deserve this family. Like <laughs> what the hell are you doing? You're awful. Like, like, and you're gonna continue to be awful, probably. You're a billionaire. Like, <laughs> like, if anything, you're gonna ruin them. Like, and so I think that's a part of like just why I don't like it. And I think that's why, out of all the Christmas movies I've seen, the one I've resonated with the most, even though I've still watched it a, a thousand times and it still gets old after a while, um, is It's a Wonderful Life because like oh, yeah. there are real people. And it's a wonderful life. Like <laughs> there are real character interactions and like real things happen to the characters and they respond the way real people would. Um, it's and a so, flawless Christmas movie. It really is. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I might have to request that uh, we add that one to the docket in the future because that's, um, that's a really good one. I could talk for hours about it's a wonderful life. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, do you have anything else to add? Any questions for me or anything? Um, yeah. So, so with Christmas movies, um, I'm really interested because there is a, I don't know if it's really a stereotype or if it's like an expectation kind of within the industry. Uh, with horror films that I like where like there's an understanding that there are very there are various echelons of horror films as far as quality goes where there are some classics that like are are untouched as far as how good they are there are ones that like um, you kind of have to weigh the good against the bad there are ones that like are so bad at um, they're good um, and there are ones that are just like, this is utter trash. Mm-hmm. And like, there's an understanding with horror films where like, you know, if you like part five of Friday the 13th, like there's kind of this expectation of you being able to acknowledge, okay, this isn't like in and of itself, this is not a very good film. Mm-hmm. Here are the reasons that I enjoy it, d- despite the fact that... Friday the thirteenth part five kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. Um, like and like there's kind of that expectation there. Um as a fan of Christmas films, and especially from the ones we've watched so far, because we watched a pretty good spread as far mm-hmm. um as quality goes. Um what do you f- think about that? Like, do you think there's a similar kind of expectation? with fans um, of Christmas flicks? Um, or do you think, like, everybody, like, t- do you think there are Christmas film fans who are genuine diehard fans of the 12 Dates of Christmas? Or do you think that anybody who enjoys the viewing experience of 12 Dates of Christmas can acknowledge the quality of the movie while still acknowledging the things they like? Or what do you think about that? That's a really great question. Um it's really hard. So like for me personally, I absolutely can. Um, like I, I watch 12 days of Christmas every year and it's like so awful, but like, I really enjoy it just because of how awful it is. You know, it's, uh, you know, it's, um, I just like it, but also hate it. So, but you know, I feel like I've met some Christmas film fans that like are just like the Hallmark movies and all this, like it's just like they just watch those like their latest chips. Like they just like inhale them and like it's it's and I I can't do that um, because some of those are so repetitive. I feel like that's a different Christmas movie genre entirely. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard for me to speak on that. I feel like I'm a different. I, I I don't know. I like to think I'm a different Christmas film fan than than that genre, I guess. I don't know. So it's it's kind of hard to say. Yeah. No, no like, I got you. For me personally, for sure. Like I feel like I can, you know, watch um, you know, Twelve Dates of Christmas, for example, 
and be like, that's horrible, but I still enjoy it. And like, then there's like holiday that just like infuriates me, which, you know, we're going to watch next, next year, but, uh, it's a horrible movie. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. That kind of actually answers, um, the follow-up question I had because I was about to ask is, is there a Christmas film that comes to mind that you think is just objectively bad? You don't get any enjoyment out of watching it because yeah. I definitely have horror films that yes. like I just don't like to watch. Yes. Um, holiday would be one. Um, I, I recently watched, I, I mentioned this, I think on the last podcast where um, I mentioned uh, just friends was technically a Christmas movie. And yeah. I re yeah. I rewatched that. Um, and it. I liked it because Ryan Reynolds is in it, but sure. overall, like it's, I, I, uh, it's, I don't know. It's something it's, uh, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it's something, uh, we might have to add that to the docket. Um, trying to think what else, I mean, there's a few, you know, it, 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 it just bothers me too. Like I mentioned, like if there's not like an element of like hope and magic, you know, I'm like, what, what are you even doing? You're not, you're not Christmas. You're you're fake. You're I don't know. <laughs> you're fake. You're a fat phony. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, no, that makes sense. It makes sense. Yep. Yep. Um. But yeah, so so you know we're we're gonna have to watch Polar Express next. But overall, uh, this sort of you know other than Polar Express, this concludes like Christmas fest. So, um. Overall, what are your your thoughts? Like, I personally have had a blast doing this with you. Um, yeah. But what what are what are your thoughts on the whole experience that we have done? Yeah, I mean, I feel a little the same way. This has been a blast to like do and record. Um, I um, <laughs> so whenever uh, whenever we watch things for the podcast, um, I take notes. Um, like as I'm watching it and stuff of like things that like I might want to talk about or bring up or whatever it is. Um, my notes for these movies um, <laughs> have, have looked like the ravings of a madman because like, <laughs> I'll just write down uh, <laughs> like for borrowed hearts. Um, I have down just off to the side. I have scribbled down editing weird then an arrow drawn to the bottom of the page that says weird, weird Carly question mark. And that was my reminder to talk about the weird scene with Carly smile. Uh, so like, it's been a blast. It's been great. Um, um, it's been fun to watch stuff that I, um, I wouldn't usually watch because um, I think I talked about it um, on the first episode of Christmas Fest. Um, I had kind of given up on Christmas films i was just like i don't think this is a genre for me um <laughs> <laughs> which is fine um but um yeah i'm kind of i'm way less um i'm a way less of a pessimist um now than i was um about christmas movies um because i'm just like okay even the bad ones are enjoyable like i yeah. like i <laughs> you know i still kind of had fun with uh, the 12 dates of christmas Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was still fun. I don't really ever ever want to watch it again. But, <laughs> um, you know, I feel the same thing about The Conjuring Part 3. Um, <laughs> but, and I, you know what? I take that back. I had far more fun with The 12 Dates of Christmas than I ever did with The Conjuring Part 3. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, because that's just a bad movie. But, uh, um, but no, no, it was fun. I... Um, I, for one, this is your realm entirely, Jenny. This is your project to do with as you please. I, for one, um, am a hard yes vote for having this be a regular, um, um, a regular uh, project we do every year uh, for Christmas because this has been a lot of fun. Yay, yay. I, I agree. Awesome. Um, and yeah, next year, I think we're going to go a bit more. These, the films we've watched are kind of been a little obscure other, th other than Preacher's Wife and, uh, freaking Polar Express that we'll be doing, but, uh, um, <laughs> um, but next year we might do a little more, uh, you know, 
uh, more popular ones. And yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm already, already planning it out. So, woohoo. Uh, any final thoughts? Um, um, no, just um, if um, you're out there and you're listening to this, if you're also skeptical about holiday films and Christmas movies specifically, um, then, you know, uh, go out and find a friend who's who's more of an expert and more familiar with the kind of stuff. Have them kind of uh, guide your hips through the, the <laughs> <laughs> through the dance of the Christmas films uh, because it's it's way more enjoyable that way um, for sure. Um, also, uh, if you if you work really any kind of job, um, <laughs> try to unionize. Uh, that was the main thing I got from <laughs> from Borrowed Hearts is to try to unionize if you can. So, so yeah, that's that's for me. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, uh, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody listening. Thank you for listening. And um, yeah, I think the next uh, we're we're doing. Uh, you know, we're I'm trying to convince myself we're doing Polar Express sometime <laughs> soon. It. Uh, that should be the next one. And then I think we're going to be doing our end of year podcast, uh, probably the first or second week of January. So y'all be looking out for that. And, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Cowabunga, everybody. <laughs>